Hey, and welcome to the latest edition of the Beham Brothers podcast. On this episode, me and Emmett are going to break down the Auburn QB situation. Peyton Thorne is announced as the starter. We're going to go into some recruiting news that happened really just recently on Saturday. Uh, then we're going to go over uh, some uh, predictions for Auburn that have been put out there by ESPN. And then we'll talk through the rest of the Auburn uh, rest of the Auburn roster. Um, so, I'm your host, Andrew Hudspeth. I'm here with Emmett, and uh, we're going to get ready to break this down. All right, Emmett. So, uh, Peyton Thorne has been announced as Auburn's QB. Give me your immediate reaction to that. He's the leader, and I'm ready to watch him. I'm going to root for him. I mean, I was obviously going for Robbie, but Peyton Thorne's going to be a good quarterback. Like, he was brought in for a reason. He's got a highlight reel at Michigan State. Led him to a great season his first year there. Had some O-line problems his second year, so that led to him having problems. But I'm ro- I'm going to ride with him. I mean, he's going to be great. We still got – and now we got two good backups. So if he goes down, we got two guys ready to go. Yeah, you know, so <clears throat> just to talk about his time at Michigan State, he did – his first year there was really good. They had a, a really good uh, – I think Kenneth Walker was the name of the guy of the running back that was there. Yeah. So when they had him, they were – he was a really, really good – QB because you know they could run some play action type things they could really rely on the running back there but um you know second year he had gone to the NFL so Peyton Thorne was kind of stuck there himself they had some O-line issues as you said so wasn't as good of a year still a a pretty solid season overall um he still threw for over over 2,500 yards I want to say right yeah it was close to 2,500 yards um and then I think he had uh, 11 picks last year to 23 24 touchdowns so pretty solid numbers overall they weren't spectacular his second year but pretty good um this may pain people to hear we talked about last week we're talking about the qb battle but like his 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 demeanor his way of playing is a little bit bo nix-ish right like that's a pretty good comp for him in in terms of his ability and what he can do I don't know that he's as as you know. Bo was at Bo Nix was at Auburn. I mean, he was kind of schizophrenic in yeah. his play. I mean, he was yeah. you know it was a roller coaster. He yes. would have a great game, a great play, and then he'd just like throw it to the other team, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think Peyton Thorne's a little bit more steady than that. Um, but he is a gunslinger. He is going to throw the ball around a little bit. I think he's also a better leader just from hearing Hugh Freeze talk about him and. Hugh Freeze did mention he wants to see who the team rallies around, so he chose Peyton Thorne, so the team has rallied around Peyton Thorne, and that speaks to his leadership too. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've actually heard his leadership is that of like kind of like Brandon Cox, which is way back in the day. That's awesome. And that's a good thing. I yeah. like hearing that. Um, so I'm excited to see him, see what he does out there. Yeah, and you know another similar I just thought of for him and Bo Nix, like, so Peyton Thorne's dad was also a coach. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix's dad was obviously a coach. Um, so there's just a lot of similarities there in terms of ability, kind of mindset. I think that's where some of his leadership yeah. skills come from. It was kind of a knock on Bo Nix. I mean, um, you know, he kind of got fed up with some of the things at Auburn and probably didn't handle things the best way he could have. But you know. I understand what he was fed up about. Oh, I did too. And I felt for him. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously his concern was the offensive line. They were trash. Always. And the play calling. And the play calling, yes. Play calling was bad too. It's just how he went about complaining about it was the problem. There's a way to to go to your leadership, the coaches, as a quarterback, 
and say something's got to change. And he was doing it on the sideline in the middle of a game. You don't do that. You just don't do that. Yeah. It's not a good look for anybody, especially you. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, I think immediate reaction uh, is, you know, uh, is, is fairly good overall. I mean, so scrimmage number two on Saturday. He was announced on, what was it, Wednesday, I think. Wednesday he was announced as the starter. Um, some rumors had started to swirl that that was going to go on. Hugh Freeze wanted to make the decision um, after the first scrimmage. Um, he wanted to at least narrow it down to two. Um, and I think he was fairly ready, not that Robbie Ashford wasn't pushing him. I mean, that's the other part we want to talk about is Robbie Ashford's pushing him and still pushing him. And by even Hugh Freeze's own words, he's going to get playing time, Robbie is. And if he keeps doing what he's doing – he may end up getting significant playing time. Yeah, and that's only going to make both of them better. Right. So this is the best situation you could possibly imagine. Peyton Thorne's level is going or ceiling is going to rise, and Robbie Ashford's will rise simultaneously. For the first time in a long time, it feels like Auburn has two good options, has some depth yeah. at the QB position. And, you know, talking about the packages that Robbie's going to get, because that's going to happen, I've heard a lot of people complain about that. And I understand why, because the last time we really truly did that was, I want to say 2015, with Sean White. Yeah. God, it's hard to remember this. It was a terrible year. And Jeremy Johnson, and I think we had a third guy going. We were yeah. rotating three quarterbacks, and uh, it was terrible. Uh, Franklin. Uh, oh, John Franklin III. Yes, yes, yeah, JF3, uh, yeah. Yeah, and none of them were truly a quarterback. I think Sean White was the closest thing we had to a true quarterback, but he was like 5'2 and could barely throw it over the line. Yeah. So... It just looked it, – it's hard to hear we have packages. We're going to rotate quarterbacks and love the idea. But we're in a situation now where we have two quarterbacks that know – that you know that they can win games. Yeah. Those guys never proved it, those three guys, back in the day. These two have proven it already. Yeah. And fun fact, John Franklin III actually has a Super Bowl ring. So, um, yeah. For with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, crazy about that. Yeah. Not as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, so uh, I think – Peyton Thorne, just when I think about, okay, why did you announce it on Wednesday? Why did you announce it? Really kind of, it was a little bit earlier than I think what he really wanted to. By by Saturday, by last Saturday, after first scrimmage, he didn't want to have it picked. He wanted to have it narrowed down to two guys. Yeah. So they have three. They had Holden Gariner, uh, who's the sophomore. They have Robbie Ashford, and then they've got Peyton Thorne. He wanted to have that narrowed down to, to two guys. And I think just with the rumor swirling, and then I think he's what Hugh Freeze said and what he alluded to was that he saw Peyton Thorne really kind of pressing, almost like he felt under the gun, like he needed to prove that he was going to be the starter and prove that he was worth it and all that kind of stuff. I think one of the reasons that Freeze chose him and chose him when he did was to take the pressure off of him. Yeah. And. Go ahead and get him as many reps as he can with the receivers because the scheme that these guys are running is really going to be dependent on getting in a good rhythm with those receivers. Yeah, you want to be able to, as a quarterback, know where the guy's going to be before he's there. Right. And, like, it not be because it, it could be, like, a deciding factor with, like, the wide receiver decides where he's going to run mid-play and the quarterback is just going to know how he normally goes right. about it. You want that relationship to be developed to where it's like oh i know what you're gonna do yeah i got you and you want to be able to have that wide receiver i think shane hooks is going to be this guy to where he's like you know 
uh, last second type situation or something like that, mm-hmm. desperate situation where he's like, give me the ball. You want to be able to like have that confidence as a wide receiver right. or a quarterback to tell him that and he's going to throw it to you. Right, right. And that's how you get this done is give him as many reps with the ones as you can. Yeah, and so I think it takes pressure off of him. I mean, Auburn's got a really good opening schedule, I think. We start with UMass and then we go to Cal. Cal is going to be a tougher game than what most people give it credit for um, just because they're a Pac-12 team and they haven't done a whole lot. But they've got a good coaching staff out there, and they'll be a, a good test. They may they may beat Auburn. I mean, the, the Pac-12 is probably going to be deeper. It's funny, even though this is their last year is the Pac-12. Yeah. Like, this is probably one of the deepest Pac-12 conferences that they've had in a long yeah. time. Um, and then and then Auburn gets Samford at home after that. So I think Freeze felt like, okay, I can start Peyton against UMass, take the pressure off of him, have Robbie ready to go, and if Peyton presses too much, if he still feels under the gun and he doesn't get it done – Okay, then I'll throw Robbie out there, and we'll we'll roll with him for yeah. as long as we need to. You know, and that's the beauty of the situation is no matter who goes out there, I'm confident. Even if Holden goes out there, I'm confident we'll win the game. Yeah, like I'm not worried about us losing because of a quarterback at this point in time. If we're gonna lose, it's gonna be to me more on the defensive side of things, and we'll get into that later. But that's why I wasn't really like too emotionally invested into who's gonna be the quarterback. It's like I don't really care because they're all good. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about when we were talking about the battle last week. I mean, that was the thing. It was like you've got three good options. It's funny. They're all three kind of different styles of quarterback. I mean, Holden Gariner is like sort of like the true, like, you know, when you think of like Tom Brady and and, and, uh, Peyton Manning, like statues, like that's pretty much what Holden Gariner is. He's not going to run a whole lot. Peyton Thorne is that sort of blended guy of like, you know, sort of a traditional pocket passer, but he'll take off if he feels like he yeah. can get, if it, you know, gives him five, six, whatever, however many yards. Um, I think he had a long run against Purdue last year of like 35 yards. I mean, so yeah. he, he'll take off and he'll beat some guys. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Robbie, who's just, I mean, electric with his feet. Like, I mean, just. He's I mean, a freak. He is. I mean, he, he is, he's got Nick Marshall speed. I don't know that, you know, Nick Marshall had this talent of a not ever taking a big hit yeah and then b also just being able to like squeeze through places he was and, slippery yeah he was the i think one of nick marshall's best plays at auburn and it doesn't really get talked about but once you see the clip everybody's like oh yeah that was awesome at one point georgia has three guys actively tackling nick marshall and he just somehow spins out of it yeah it was the craziest thing i would ever seen and like i saw it live and i was like there's no way like i turned my head because i thought he was going down and Sure enough, he runs 20 yards. Yeah, and I think people at that time were so worried about his feet. Like, that third guy that's coming along is almost like putting the brakes on because yeah. he doesn't want to fly in there too fast. Yeah. He's got to break down. Well, once Nick was able to get a step, yeah. he was gone again. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's that fast at getting to top speed. Yeah, and I think the first touchdown in the Iron Bowl that in 2013 – you can see that one linebacker, all he does is take one step inside, and Nick Marshall is already yeah. past him. It yeah. was crazy. He's yep. fast. And Robbie Ashford has that same speed. He might be even a little faster. He looks a little bit faster than Nick Marshall. He may be. But he can't throw as well as Nick Marshall. Well, he didn't last year. I'll say that. Yeah. I've heard he's improved, which gives me confidence to let him go out there and play quarterback. Yeah. But I think Peyton Thorne is the best option. Clearly, he freezing so too. Yeah, so um, Peyton Thorne came out of the second scrimmage. I think he went 13 of 17. I think um, 
Robbie came out of it eight for 17. So, you know, still closer to those 50% yeah. numbers. Um, but, you know, there's also broken plays on that. There's plays that they're still working on some things. So, um, again, you know, the routes that receivers are running, you know, they're running those option routes. And one of the problems they had out of the first scrimmage was players running the wrong route, right, or players taking a playoff, you know, things of that like that. I think that's still kind of happening a little bit. Hugh Freeze talked about that some, not as much. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think he wanted to name a starter as early as he did, so that they, again, so that they could get on that same page. Yeah, and I, he's going to get that problem solved with the whole taking place off. Yeah. It's going to be in a bad way, but he's going to get it solved. He is. I mean, he's, you know, I, the one thing I like about Hugh and he's talked about is he's really trying to take more of a – macro level coach so he's trying to coach the whole team and not you know whereas I think in years past when he was at Ole Miss or even at Liberty um he probably took more of a offensive coach and he kind of let the defense do what they wanted he's taking more of a motivational type coach approach to this and he's coaching his coaches he's motivating the players he talked about calling up players and which is the same as calling out players he calls it calling them up hey you need to step up your game um, things like that. He talked about Keontae Scott, who's an NFL prospect, a defensive back for Auburn that mm-hmm. probably, if all things go as they should, he'll be a, a first or second round draft pick. Yeah. Um, he talked about um, calling out you know, some offensive linemen, called out some wide receivers. I mean, so he's really just trying to step up and not take mediocre or yeah. average or good enough as good enough. And people – Again, this isn't really talked about. Everybody knows it. It's there. It's obvious because everybody brings it up sometimes. Or really, it's just the media that brings it up. But as far as fans go, people forget that Hugh Freeze is probably pissed off too. Right. He's coming into the SEC for the first time again, and he's like, yeah, I remember how y'all treated me last time. Like, I'm coming for vengeance. He's, yeah. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And he's at a school that also has a chip on his shoulder because we just went through the worst two years ever. And that's pretty bad since we went through 2012. Yeah, and you know, I think he, I think he does bring that mentality to it. Um, I think, I think, what's crazy about Hugh Freeze is from everything he's done, everything he's said, man, he brings just a totally. It seems like the fit, yeah. right? For like his personality, like what he's expecting. That was one of the things. Like people were were kind of freaking out after the scrimmage because yeah. he was calling out players and all those type of things. Go listen to what Nick Saban says. Go listen to what Kirby Smart says. Those dudes are constantly calling out their yeah. team. And and people say, oh, well, you know, he's just saying that so the players here. Well, Hugh Freeze is doing the same thing, y'all. Yeah. He's he's sitting here and he's calling out these players. He's calling out these position groups so that those groups know, you know, hey, 7-5, and 8-4 and four is not good enough. Yeah. Like, you need, to, you need to be getting up to a championship level. Yeah. So what he's saying, too, is, and what fans need to read into this is, hey, what these guys are giving right now may get us to seven and five. It may get us to eight and four. But he's not that's not his goal. That's not satisfactory. No. You want a championship. Auburn wants championships and Hugh Freeze seems like the guy that's gonna get us there. He's probably the second most Auburn coach we've ever had. Yeah. And I would say behind Cadillac Williams. The difference is Hugh Freeze actually knows how to be a head coach. Because yeah. he's done it. Yeah. And that's really the only reason why Cadillac probably didn't get the job is because he has never been a head coach before. Yeah, and 
I mean, I was pulling for a Cadillac. I'm not, part it's, of part of me really was. part of me really wanted him to be the head coach. Part of me was like, no, nah, it's not time yet. It's so not. That was it, tough. You just yeah, it was tough to not give him the job because, I mean, he just fits. I mean, it was magical to watch him go out there and coach because everybody just loves him. He's just an Auburn guy. It was such an old school kind of mentality too of like, hey, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna play for pride. We're gonna just yeah. play hard. We're you know, we're gonna play Auburn. play for Auburn. You know, like he walked out I, with arm and arm. I, th- I at think the hard fighting soldiers. I know. Fans. I know. <laughs> I think that mentality that he brings and that he's still bringing as like an assistant coach is yeah. gonna pay huge dividends. It's, it's huge that he like people probably don't take that assistant head coach jobs like title and they don't yeah. look at it with seriousness but he just got a leadership level like a big leadership level on the team right which means the players are going to have to listen to what he says like yeah. he's not just talking to running backs anymore yeah i'd be curious to know how often he's in front of the whole team and how often he's um like leading the team or, or anything like you know one thing that's funny is if like you'll see nfl teams every now and they'll promote a special teams coach or even like shows shane beamer talked about this recently and we're we're huge fans of Shane Beamer but like he talked about how you know he was um a, uh the special teams coach at uh Oklahoma I think um or it may have been Virginia Tech with his dad but he was there and you know one of the complaints about him coming in as a as a head coach into South Carolina was he had limited coordinator time if any I think um and so they're like well how do you know how to run a team and it was like well if you're the special teams coach, you have limited practice time. You have to pull players from every position group, yeah. right? From every part of the part of the team. So like you have to know how to run a team. That is a mini team right yeah. there that you're having to run as special teams coach. And I think the Raiders promoted their um special teams coach when they fired um John Gruden years ago. Yeah. Um, and now it's for that reason. This is the one guy outside of that's the head dealt coach. with everyone. Yeah, that's talked to everybody on the team. Yeah. Because you got D line, D lineman playing O line on a field goal, right? Like that's that doesn't happen, right? But that's the only time it will happen. That's right. Um, so yeah, you can't overlook any job at any school because they're all important. But you're right, like that special teams is very overlooked, but they're important people out there. Yeah. So I think what I'm most excited about with Peyton Thorne being the QB. So I'll do like most excited, most disappointed. Right, so most excited about Peyton Thorne is, I think you're going to see Auburn lean on the run game. Not that Peyton Thorne can't throw passes, but I think you're going to see more of like an old school style play. Auburn's offensive line, by all accounts, has gotten steps better. Um, we'll we'll talk about what that means in just a minute, and then uh, you're going to see them use kind of like play action or, or things like that to, you know make the defense bite, and then throw it deep. Um, I think you're going to see, like, RPOs. You're going to see all those type things that we typically run. So, But that's what I'm most excited about is to see Auburn, like, really lean heavily on the run game, which yeah. is what I think we should should be it's, doing. It's our history. It is our history, and it's, it's I think, what Auburn's going to be best at this yeah. season. And then what I'm most disappointed about, though, is, you know, the playmaking ability – of Peyton Thorne obviously is not at the same level of Robbie, and I, you know, yeah. I was pulling for Robbie too just because he put the team on his back. He, and, you he know, played with like he played with all heart, man. He did. It's hard not to like a guy that goes out there and you know he's injured and he's still just like giving yeah. everything he's got. So when a player does that, it's like, oh, man, you, you want him to take the job, but you also want the best person out there to win. 
And again, Robbie's going to get playing time, so it's not like a yeah, you're not, big you're, downer. Yeah, I mean, and it may not be, you know, a lot of people talk about it as like a goal line situation or you know, things like that. I think it'll be like, he, you may see Robbie Ashford just like start a random drive in the game just to throw the defense. Yeah. You know, just to like, hey, yeah, we're going to throw him out there and then make, you know, the defensive, you know, they've already gotten their their uh, defensive uh, personnel sent out and we take advantage of people, it. People, I, I don't think I've really seen this before, but this would be a great scenario. So, so let's say Auburn drives down the field, their defense is kind of getting winded. Say it's third quarter. We score. They get the ball back, they throw a pick. All right. Throw Robbie out there. They're already tired. They have no break. Yeah. Run right past them. Go run. Yeah. And then you just got them on their heels from that point forward. Yeah. That's a great scenario to put Robbie in, and that's not a goal line situation. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll see things like that throughout the season where, you know, Robbie's able to be utilized in big game situations, able to lead drives. Yeah. And not just be a, a goal line guy. Yeah. So um no, so I think that's all good. I'm uh, excited to see what Peyton Thorne can do and um can't wait for that first game against UMass. So um all right, so the other thing we wanted to break down was talking about the weekend, some recent recruiting news. So Auburn had Big Cat weekend. They got a lot of big recruits. We yeah. talked about that a, lot you know, of a few weeks ago. A lot of a lot of big momentum. Um, you know, then it was supposed to be that there were supposed to be like three or four other guys that committed sort yeah. of in the trailing days. And they got one or two, but um, not quite all the guys they wanted. They're still waiting to hear from another one. Um, so on Saturday, Auburn had heavily recruited Cam Franklin out of Mississippi. Cam Franklin is a four or five star defensive lineman. Um, heavily recruited by Auburn, by Ole Miss, by Tennessee, by Miami. Those are kind of his top four schools. At one point, I think all those schools kind of felt like they were in the lead. But then late, Auburn really felt like we they had it. this guy. Yeah. And I then mean, predictions were being made. The predictions were being made, and then Thursday happened. Yeah. And Thursday and Friday, rumors started to swirl that, no, 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 it's going to be Ole Miss. He's going to stay – He's going to stay in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the message they were giving him, like, hey, stay in Mississippi. Don't leave Mississippi. Like, you can be the dude. You know, you can make be the know, Mississippi hero. proud. Yeah, yeah, be the hometown hero. Um, and that's ultimately what he ended up choosing was Mississippi. He actually had an Auburn shirt on, and then he took the Auburn shirt off and had an Ole Miss shirt on underneath it. I see. I didn't see that. And and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. It, that would have really ruined my day. It would have. It would have. So, Cam Franklin, you know, uh, ends up choosing Ole Miss. It's not signing day yet, so it doesn't mean that's necessarily where he's going, but he committed Ole Miss. Huge win for them um, over Auburn to get Cam. Um, and uh, so Auburn will have to keep on searching. I mean, yeah. that's that's been something that they got T.J. Lindsey, um, who's a three- or four-star defensive lineman out of IMG Academy in Arkansas. Um, and... Uh, they were able to to get him, so that's one good defensive line recruit. But usually, you want like three defensive yeah. linemen per year yeah. to, to to get guys going. And I think the thing that like sucks the worst about it isn't that he's a five star that we lost; it's the fact that he was a target that we lost. It could have been a three star, and if we would have lost him, it would have been like, "Well, crap." Yeah, like we wanted you. Yeah, and that's when it that's what sucks about it. But there's always going to be another guy out there, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, we just gotta we gotta start recruiting defensive linemen though. We do. Um, and speaking of the defensive line, so the other news that has come out of both scrimmages, and I think Hugh Freeze was actually asked this in his presser after the second scrimmage, 
was, hey, what's your take on Auburn being able to run the ball in both these scrimmages? By all accounts, Auburn's been able to just gash the defense in the run game. Yeah. And uh, Hugh Freeze was honest, and he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know if it means we're going to be really good at running the ball or if it means we're going to be really bad at stopping the run. Yeah. I really hope it's we're really good at running. <laughs> I, I do too. And, and it could be it. That's a very real possibility because Jarquez Hunter's a dude. Yeah. And Amari Olsen, dude. Like, they're good. Yeah. So I'm not too worried that it's a rush defense. I mean, I only know of a few teams in the SEC that are on our schedule that I'm like, yeah, their running back is, like, dangerously good. Like, could gash us all day if they wanted to. Yeah. It, what Who it worries you about is it worries you about – Alabama, Georgia. You're going to be worried about everything for them. It yeah. worries you about Ole Miss. Yeah, they got a great running back. It worries you about Arkansas to an extent, but we've talked about why Arkansas may not be as good, even though they have a great running back. Yeah. Um. Uh, I I don't worry too much about Texas A&M. No. They you know least, Dev, least they don't have worries. they don't have Devin Achain anymore uh, at running back. Uh, I don't see them being as good. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, I know they're not going to be doing um, the air raid offense, but um, they've got a good running back there. Yeah. But I don't know that it, I don't know that you feel super threatened by by the Mississippi State's run game. Vandy, not worried about Vandy's run game. Cal does have a good run game. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing Cal does do well is they they can run the ball. So um, there's a you know there's a a few teams in there. I mean, a lot of teams that that can you know move the ball, but um, in total, uh, you know, I think only a few of those are you know for sure losses. Um, I yeah, think. there's only three teams on there that have a run game that I would like worry me to the point where it's like I think we should beat them. Yeah, but their run game could be the reason why we lose. Yeah, but like LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, it's like well, if we lose to them, it's because they're just simply better than us. Yeah, like. There's nothing we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, LSU's problem last year was running the ball. Yeah. They, they weren't even good at running the ball. Jaden Daniels was their leading rusher yeah. last year. So um, that was actually a, a big problem they're they're trying to fix this year. But um, they're a team that's sitting in a really good spot, honestly. So, so yeah, so Auburn doesn't get them. So, Emmett, you had you, – but you had seen something from ESPN just talking about the schedule, and it broke down the win percentages. So I'll let you talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so I'll just give – the win percentages out, go down the schedule, and this is what ESPN analytics say. Auburn versus UMass, we have a 95.9% chance to win. I agree. That's that's fair. California, they're giving us a 44.6% chance to win. I, I kind of understand it. I think it's a little ridiculous that it's that low, but to me it should be a 50-50, in my opinion. Uh, it's a road test. It's a first road test. Sanford, 97% chance fair texas a&m 26 percent we'll get to that one no, no that's pretty low that's very low georgia 11.8 highly understandable uh at lsu 14.4 again i understand that one it's in death valley old miss 36 percent chance to win highly disagree with that one mississippi state 54 percent chance i'm more surprised that we're 54 and not like 40 60 them leading yeah that was one i thought that would have gone the other way yeah because that shows me that espn's very low on mississippi state yeah and i i don't know where that's coming from 
we talked about it last week. Like Mississippi State hasn't really done anything to lose credit. No, they're returning everybody. They were third in the West last year behind <laughs> Alabama and LSU, and they return everybody. Yeah. Now we said they're going to go. What we said seven and five, right? Yeah, we've got them going seven and five, but that's a they play a pretty tough schedule. I mean, we talked about South Carolina could flip. Now you're eight and four. Um, Auburn could flip. Kentucky could flip. I mean, so they they've got some chances yeah. to flip a few of those losses. And but like I guess ESPN just thinking they're just in the doghouse. I guess so. Which is crazy to me. Then you got Vandy at 66%. That's probably the most reasonable one on there. That's like a perfect number for Vandy. Yeah. Um, Arkansas, 35%. Not sure how I feel about that one. New Mexico State, 94% chance. And then Bama, 11.1. So we have a we have less of a chance of beating Bama than we do Georgia. That what That's really surprising. Yeah, so if you're counting up, the, the the games where Auburn has a a leading percentage, right, a winning percentage, uh, you know, to, to win these games, it was five. Yeah. So basically ESPN Analytics predicts Auburn to go five and seven this season, which is the same record they had last year when they had Brian Harson at the helm. They fired him, you know, you know, three-quarters of the way through the season. And Auburn, from that moment, Auburn tremendously got better. It was immediate. Yeah, so I did. I did like a little bit of stats breakdown on Auburn, like yeah. between Harson, pre-Harson, or during Harson, and then after Harson. Yeah. So Auburn averaged in, and I just did SEC games. Okay. Okay. So I just did SEC games. Uh, so Auburn averaged uh, twenty-one points per game under Harson. Okay. Okay, which is pretty bad in this day and age yeah, of baseball. Three touchdowns oh, football. Again. Said baseball. Um, <laughs> They averaged 24 points per game under Cadillac. Wow. So that a three-point difference. Now, the three teams that I'm calculating there, yeah. that's Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Alabama. Yeah. I mean, those aren't three bad teams. Yeah. I mean, Texas A&M's record wasn't good, but their defense was the strong their point defense, of their yeah, team their last year. Yeah, defense is the only reason why they won any games last year. Yeah. Um, they held a lot of teams to, like, under 24 points. Yeah. Um, just... I'm honestly surprised we scored 21 points per game. That's that's a crazy stat. <laughs> well, the defense was the issue last year. I mean, really and truly, like, that was a big defense. But then, so then, like you you break it down even further. Like I went I went deep into it. So Auburn's like um, their total their turnover turnovers per game were there are more turnovers per game under Cadillac, which is weird to think about than there were under than there were under Harson. But um, how many of those turnovers were in the uh... The Mississippi State game. I don't know. I didn't look at that. Because that was a rainy game. And then the Texas A&M game was like the windiest game of the year. I was there. It was freezing just because of the wind. Like, if there was no wind, it would have been fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I can I can pull those stats up. But, I mean, the, you know, the big thing with, to me that I took away was we scored more points even though we gave up the ball to the other team more often. Right? Yeah. That's a good we point. averaged basically the same number as like six yards difference per game in total total offense. Yeah. When teams knew we were going to be running the ball, because that was all we could do. Yeah. And we weren't going to pass the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think we averaged like 80 yards per game passing, which is terrible. But we averaged like over 200 yards per game rushing. Wow. That's I mean, insane. I mean, that's like old school, you know. That's like, like triple option <laughs> offense, you know, like. 
you know, wing tees before football. Yeah, before the forward pass was really <laughs> invented. I mean, that's how that's how bad that was, but it worked. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, it just looked different. It looked like a different team was playing football than what we had watched all year. And maybe it's not like play calling, just that I'm talking about. Like, looking at the team, play under Cadillac was way different. They were hyped up, jumping up and down on the sidelines, like going crazy. Under Harson, it looked like they were going to a funeral. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, it's the Jimmys and Joes, it's the players, it's this, it's that, it's the other. Like, motivation still plays a part, folks. Yeah. It's not, it's not a math test. I've said that before. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with people who have hearts. Like, you have to have their heart into it, or they're not gonna, you're not gonna win. You can't win without, unless you're playing just like some cupcake, you're not gonna win without like trying to win, you know? Yeah, no, and you've You've gotta gotta want it. You've gotta go into every game and and wanna win, and I think you saw that under Cadillac those last three or four games of the year. I I wish Auburn could have given Cadillac more time to prepare for the Mississippi State game. So Auburn fired Harson on a Monday. Yeah. Right? Really weird. Really weird. They should have done it on a Sunday. At least it would have had one should have done it on the field, to be honest. And two games earlier. They should should have done it on the bye week. Yeah. Um, But they didn't. Um, And so, so that, you know, I really would love to see what Cadillac would have been able to do um, getting ready for Mississippi State with a full, you know, full week to prepare for that. I mean, they... Took them into overtime with, you know, three days to get ready. What's even crazier? Like, I like know no offensive had... coordinator, no defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, just it like. It was Cadillac. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was Cadillac, Zach Redthridge, Will Friend. Yeah. It's just um, a bunch of former players. It was. just yeah. like, it was almost like they just got recruited and were like, I guess we'll help you all out. Like, yeah. we played for yeah. you <laughs> Which is just, it's kind of funny to think about. But they're good coaches. I'm not, like, knocking them, but. It's just funny that they were all just like thrown into the worst position as far as circumstances go ever. Yeah. Um, and kind of like even admitted after that Mississippi State game, number one, that he had made a coaching mistake, coaching decision wise. And number two, that he was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. He even told the players, he went to Tank and Robbie, and I think he told them, was like, Y'all got to help me because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, tell me what you want to do. Yeah. And that shows leadership. If, that's a good leadership quality. When you're willing to admit to the people that, that you're leading, like, I don't know what to do, give me some ideas, that's a good quality to have. It is. It really is. Um, so, no, I mean, that was a, an exciting way to kind of finish the season. I think it gave a lot of everybody hope, you know, especially when you go look at that Texas A&M game. You would have thought it was, like, number one versus number two, you know. Man. It was it was wild. I rewatched that game so often. It was on the other night. I saw a little yeah. bit of it, so it was kind of crazy, but... Um, so, you know, ESPN analytics only gives Auburn a chance to win five. We obviously have Auburn a little bit different than that. Um, we'll break down their schedule next week. We've been putting this one off. It's like, it's getting really difficult to stop, to not talk about what we think they're going to do. But, um, what I see on this piece of paper over here is a pretty high number. Um, so I'll tell you what. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm about to barn harder than I've ever barned before. All right. Uh, well, I think we need to rein that in a bit. We'll lower those expectations some. So, all right. But let's talk about, like, the rest of the team from these two scrimmages. Yeah. So, number one, huge, huge positive for Auburn, offensive line. God, I love hearing that. So, Auburn has 
you know, probably 15 guys, I think, on the team that are all Division One capable guys. Yeah. That's how many guys you should always have on your offensive line that are capable guys. Over the past probably five seasons, so not just Harson but Malzahn, maybe more than that under Malzahn, Auburn has had like nine, eight Division One capable guys on the team. And they've recruited in transfer guys. They've brought in guys every now and then just to like hold them over. Auburn has a... Man, last year we had zero. We had zero D one capable. So they were line. they were just very average. They they really yeah. they were very average and they were put in position to not succeed. I mean yeah. they were just put into an offense that was like not did not bode well for them. So oh my God, Brian Harson was terrible. But this year, I think what you're going to see Auburn do is is there's like there's like a starting six for real on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and Hugh Freeze and team are trying to figure out who the fifth guy is going to be and who the sixth guy is going to be. They're trying to yeah. sort that out. But needless to say, there's a lot of big dudes, and they're going to play mean, um, which is something else that's been missing from the offensive line. They've got a line of backups. They've got five other guys, and kind of counting that six guy, they've got five other guys behind them that are also transfer or JUCO guys that are really solid. Yeah. And then they've got five freshmen or sophomores that they just got in Yeah. that – are also going to be really yeah. good in a year or two. Yeah, I can't I mean, wait to see them in those games that we're winning by a lot. Yeah. Go get them reps. Let them, let them face a big guy. Well, and so what it does, it gives you a chance to develop your young guys. It gives you, like, competition to be yeah. able to, you know, competition pushes guys. Talking about it with the, the quarterback situation. It works a big time in the offensive line. If an offensive lineman knows that he's got a position, he's not going to play as hard. No. Right? And you're Nobody's not going to get gonna better. play as hard at any position. No. If you know, like, if you look behind you and be like, that guy's terrible. Like, right. what's going to make you, what's going to push you? It's human nature. Yeah. It, it's absolutely human. So, offensive line situation, I think, at Auburn is probably the best it's been in a in a long time. Yeah. Like, decade. Like, early, yeah. Early 2000s. Really? Make, since Cam. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cam had a really good offensive line that played under him. Those were all Tommy Tuberville workers. Yeah. Um, so, and they were all in their, like, senior year yeah. that year. So, it was just solid offensive line. But, um, so, offensive line in a good position. Let's talk about wide receivers. So, some pluses and minuses on the wide receiver mm-hmm. front. So, Shane Hooks is going to be that guy. I mean, if you recall Duke Williams when he was at Auburn, he got kicked off the team, so that's not great. But he was that guy that Nick Marshall could find in 2014 at any point, mm-hmm. throw him the ball, and he was going to catch it. It's that screw it, he's down there somewhere guy. Yeah. And that's Shane Hooks. Like, all right, I'm just going to throw it up. Yeah. He'll, he'll, like, he'll come down. With I'm about it. to go down. I'm throwing it up. <laughs> Somebody's down there somewhere. Like, I love that saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Shane Hooks is, is, from everybody says, he's that guy. Hugh Freeze talked about him a little bit and talked about how he takes some plays off. Like, if the play is, you know, a rollout to the right and Shane Hooks is lining up on the left side, he takes that play off. Right? So, Freeze obviously doesn't want to see that. He wants to see a guy take leadership of himself and do those yeah. things. But so he's got he's still got some things to work on. But that's also like I talked about, like that's still just Hugh Freeze just pushing players to not take yeah. a play off and be yeah. excellent all the time. Yeah. Um that's championship caliber talk. Yeah. So Shane Hooks is a big dude. Downside. Camden Brown, who's also that same caliber of player. Yeah. Like that same six four, six three, like big monster wide receiver, like a 
Laquan Treadwell or um, uh, or a, a Brown or, um, I mean, whoever else, whatever other big receiver you can think of. Yeah. He falls in that category. He's had a hamstring issue. Yeah. And so he hasn't been able to really practice. And we talked about how important in this offense, like receivers having a good yeah. relationship with the QB is. So, you know, it may take him – Texas A&M or later in the season to really get on the field a yeah. ton. Yeah. Um, they may have a player or two for him in there no matter what, but um, having him on the field will be big. Um, and then you've got um, you've got Jay Fair, who is a sophomore. He's more of a possession-type receiver, mm-hmm. um, but he can fly, man. Yeah. Like, he can absolutely haul. I haven't heard a single negative thing about him. No. Uh, and he came into Auburn like as a small guy. That was his yeah. only downside. Was he was, I think six foot, six one, um, pretty small on the weight side. He's bulked up though, and yeah. so they're saying he's just moving guys around. You know, I, I think he's. I think you you should you should find him, look for Sleeper. him, and watch him. He's he's going to be a dude to watch. Yeah. Um, so Auburn's wide receiver core just with those two or three guys. Was already positioned yeah. better than it was last year. Way better position because we just left out a huge guy. He's not a wide receiver. Fairweather. Ah, Rivaldo Fairweather. So transfer tight end yeah. from FIU, FAU, yeah. something like that. So um, I have that from people talking about him. They act like he is like Gronkowski level good. Yeah. So I'm extremely excited that I, we haven't used tight ends in since. Let's, no, not Lutz and Kirkham. What was his name? Uzama. Yeah, yeah. So I actually heard something. It was funny. I heard something or saw, you know, Peyton, one of Peyton Thorne's touchdowns was hitting the tight end over the seam. And I remember Auburn back when Tommy Tuberville was the coach in the early 2000s. I remember Tommy Trot got yeah. hit over the middle for the seam. It was like the same play. They would run this play like one time a game. They do this little play action, they drop back. Tommy Trot's right there, and it was always good. He wasn't like a super fast guy. He yeah. was like one of those old school. Like he's a skinny, a tight end. He, yeah. He's a skinny <laughs> offensive lineman is yeah. basically what yeah. he is. And so like he just run down the yeah. field. He gets you like twenty five or thirty yeah. yards. I mean, it's a huge gain. Well, th- let's think. Okay, that's a great point. Yeah, Fairweather's not a skinny offensive lineman. No, he's an athlete. He's a big wide receiver. Yeah, that's maybe a little bit slower than them. Right, <laughs> like that's. that's that's why he's not a wide receiver, because he's maybe a step slower than a wide receiver. Yeah, so the one thing I'm really excited about with Hugh Freeze is that he recruits, like, all of his wide receivers are all, like, 6'2 plus guys. Yeah. He does not aim for these smaller receivers for the most Gus part. Gus Malzahn did that a lot. Gus Malzahn did go for, when like. When I saw 5'10 on one of our wide receivers, I was like, so we got a guy my height going out there? Yeah. I found out I was six foot, so that was kind of cool. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With heels on? No, no, no. I just grew. <laughs> You're five ten. Whatever, man. So you know the wide receiver <laughs> core is is looking pretty solid. I'm, I'm excited to see that. But then the thing Hugh Freeze talked about that I don't want to talk about, but we have to, is the rush defense. Yeah, that was Auburn's weakness last year, and it I don't I don't know it's gotten fixed. I don't think so either. Now we got a new defensive coordinator, and. From what I've heard, he's a blitzer. Yeah, he likes to bring pressure, so that can that can fill in those gaps when they're running it up the middle. But can it can it be effective at stopping the run consistently? 
I don't know. Because, again, either Dark Quest Hunter has just turned it up another level, and that's why we're gashing ourselves in scrimmages, or our rush defense is bad. We don't want it to be bad, because <laughs> there's a lot, there's a good amount of teams on our schedule that run the ball fairly well. Yeah, so let's let's look at like Auburn's rankings last year in terms of total offense and total defense. Total offense last year, Auburn came in at 72nd in the nation. Total defense, they came in at 77th in the nation. So both sides of the ball were just bad. Yeah. Um, now Auburn's rushing offense was good. They were top. They were 18th, so it's a top 25. Yeah. So that's pretty solid. Um, Auburn's rush defense was the exact opposite. Um, and they were 96th hmm. in the nation in rush defense. So that number's got to come down. I mean, you go and look at like some other teams across the SEC and some teams that were successful. Um, you got to be, in order for you to have a chance in most of your games yeah. and go 9-3, and 10-2, and two, your defense needs to be in the 50s. In terms of yeah. total defense. Top 50 for rush defense. And then your your offense has got to be like top 10 if that's how bad your defense yeah. is going to be. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you got to. That's a good way of putting it. You know, you got to be really good. Now, I do think Auburn, I've said this, Auburn fans and all, you know, the expectation this year should be a lot like what Josh Heupel had at Tennessee his first year there. A really high-powered offense that can go out there and score a lot of points but the defense just may not be that great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do think Auburn's defense overall is going to be better than that, but if your rush defense isn't good, it doesn't matter how good your DBs are because they're not out there made – they're not made to tackle running backs. Yeah, if Auburn's going to win games, it's going to be in shootouts this year. That's that's how I'm kind of predicting it. Yeah. And I'm predicting it that way because if we can score fast and keep offenses having to pass the ball against us, they're going to have trouble Yeah, because our, our secondary is amazing. Right. Very, very good. Yeah. So, not really a whole lot of worry there. So, if we can keep them throwing the ball in the air, solid. However, if we start getting behind and teams start running the ball, it could get ugly with some games. Yeah. It could get real ugly. Yeah. So, they, they better tighten up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting to see um, how Auburn does on defense. That's the one downside, I think, to this year is the rush defense is going to be bad. So, prepare yourself for that because uh, I, I don't know that – Good to prepare yourself for it, but I'll also say this: it's still just scrimmages. Yeah, I mean, you got to think by the time the games roll around, these players are going to kick it up a notch. Yeah, everybody's going to be playing at an elevated level because it's no longer I'm fighting against my own guy. It's I'm not playing for me anymore. Like yeah. the guy next to me is counting on me to do what I got to do. Yeah, so I'm hoping that's enough to lower that 96 at least by 20 spots, you know, just yeah. to make it a little bit better. But, yeah, you don't know. No, I mean, you know, you go look at, um, you know, that offensive line. I go back to it. I think Auburn's offensive line is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I think Jarquez Hunter's good. But, folks, get ready for Damari Austin. Mm-hmm. He is a smaller Jarquez Hunter, smaller than Jarquez Hunter, but he can fly. I mean, he he he'll he'll run between the tackles. He's not an Ontario McCaleb guy. Yeah, he he that that's not how small he is. Yeah, he's an every down back. He's he a, can absolutely yeah. haul. And I'm excited to see what he looks like downwind. Like let him get five yards and then start running. 
Yeah, I want to see him some truck some people. We yeah. haven't seen a running back get five yards before he gets hit, and I don't even know how long. Yeah, what was the stat you had on Again, Tank, Tank Bixby? <laughs> yards before contact was point four six zero point four. Yeah, zero yards. He, he didn't get a yard before he was getting touched on average. <laughs> he, he, he got the ball, and he went a foot and a half, <laughs> and then he, yeah. was, he, was getting, he was getting a hand put on. That's sad, really. That makes it tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes it tough. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to Auburn season. I can't wait for the season to start. Um, I think there's a lot of questions. We talked about in a lot of our team breakdowns that, like, even just from the West perspective, there's just so many question marks out there um, that it should be an exciting year. I think you're going to see a lot of parity um, in the SEC. You know, you could see, like, four teams go eight and four. Yes. You know, and just beat each other up. Um. You know, for those who hadn't listened, you know, we'll do a full breakdown, full, full kind of standing projection. But, you know, we think LSU is going to win the West. We've got, uh, that, I tell you what, we've got LSU winning the West. We've got Georgia winning the East. And that's all I'm going to give you right now because yeah. we haven't finished them off. Yeah. So, um, but uh, any, any, any closing remarks on this one on Auburn? I'm just ready, man. I am too. I, I am itching to go down there. And see a game. I'm ready to tailgate. I'm ready to get down there. Ready to just uh, enjoy um, just the atmosphere of, yeah. of being in Auburn. There's and, excitement in the air again. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so nice. I and, know. Man, I really hope they walk out to Welcome to the Jungle. I they, do, too. They did it against A&M with Cadillac. Yeah. Hard-fighting soldiers. God, that was such a cool moment. I was, was like, oh, I'm seven years old again. Yes. Yeah. I hope they bring it back. It was great. It was great. That's it for us here um, at the Behan Brothers podcast. Uh, on the next episode, we will be breaking down the Texas A&M te- Aggies. This is a team that's got a lot of hype around them. Uh, so tune in. Make sure you tune in uh, for our breakdown of that team. Um, is it all real or is it just another Jimbo Fisher facade? Uh, we'll talk about that and more. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Behem Brothers for the latest SEC news, stories, and more.